You're listening to What Exactly Do You Do? A podcast by Karuna CV. Hello and welcome to today's episode of What Exactly Do You Do? My name is Rish Barua and I'm a careers consultant and I'm the founder of Karuna CV and Careers Advice. Now, when you're searching for jobs, it can be really, really confusing. You look on websites, you do research, you look at job adverts, and sometimes it can be really hard to work out what you'll actually be doing if you were to get the job. So that's the purpose of this podcast. In What Exactly Do You Do? We aim to help you work out if this really is the kind of job that you want to do. And we aim to answer some key questions like, what qualifications do I need? What hours will I need to work? And also, how much will I get paid? And is it going to be something I'm going to enjoy? The word Karuna is derived from Sanskrit and means compassion. Karuna CV aims to support people like you with CV writing, job applications and personal branding. But the aim of this podcast is to help you find out what people actually do in their jobs. Now let's welcome today's guest and ask them, what exactly do you do? Hello, special guest. What is your name and what is your job? Hey, mate. Uh, my name is Rob Jones and I'm a primary school teacher in Nottingham. OK, thank you, Rob, for joining us. Uh, so it's time to find out what exactly do you do as a primary school teacher? Um, now, first things first, how long have you been teaching and is it something that you always wanted to do? Uh, yeah, so I've been a teacher. This is the end of my fourth year as a classroom teacher. I've actually been in education for around 13 years since I left uh, school, actually. Um, I've always wanted to be a teacher since I think the first adult I worked alongside in sixth form was like you need to do this and it kind of the passion took over in my mind but uh, to be honest I never thought I'd achieve that goal just for for many different reasons some we can get into and others just it never felt like the right time or that I had the right um, qualifications or whatever it was so I've kind of managed to somehow fumble through life but thankfully the last four years um, I've got where it needs to be and, and yeah, love it. Love every second of it. OK, so let, let's talk about qualifications. And the, the usual route that most people take to get into teaching is to go to university and either do a degree in education or some people might do a degree in something else and then do what's called a PGCE. And, and we'll cover PGCEs in a little bit more detail later on. Um, so was it one of those routes that you took to get into teaching? Uh no. Not even close. I've got a lot of colleagues who did the PGC. And as you said, that's the one that most teachers in school, uh, in most schools, particularly primary, will take. They'll either do a four year course, let's say, you know, at one of the Nottingham universities where um, it's just focused on primary or secondary education or they'll do a degree in whatever and then do the one year course, a PGCE, which kind of is a whistle stop tour. Um, of all the things like I said I was working in education already I worked in a special school um, as a teaching assistant and a whole host of other roles Um, and I did so I did a part-time course which was one night a week at Trent Uni um, just in education studies so it was two years um, foundation degree in that one night a week with a a group of 16 of us and it was really a nice sort of close-knit group of, of adult learners I did a third bachelor in education with Trent as well the year after, uh, which obviously got me to degree level. I then kind of paused because it would have meant a PGC is, is a year out. You're not working, you're not earning. And um, at the time, um, I, I was married, I had a young son, and also my wife was pregnant with um, with our daughter. So there was an element of, 
I can't afford to do this. So we put it on hold. My job paid enough at the time, but it felt like one of those dreams that, that maybe wouldn't happen. Um, I was fortunate enough that I got a job at the school I'm at now as kind of a, a TA slash behaviour slash special needs manager role where I helped the school kind of manage those. Um, they became aware of my a, a gift for teaching, let's say that's their words, not mine. And they were very quick to say, why are you not doing this? Um, explain the reasons. They got it. And within a few months, they said, look, we're going to find a route where we can train you in-house. Um how it should have worked is that they trained me in-house for a year as a teacher, work alongside a, a, an actual sort of practicing teacher, learn the ropes. Um, and then there's something called the um, assessment only route where universities can come in. I know the Uni of Nottingham do it and the Uni of Derby as well. Uh, and, you know, someone comes in from the university, they do four sessions with you, two interviews and two sort of lesson observations where they're looking at specific things. The fourth meeting is the big interview with uh, lots and lots of your own evidence being given so I had to make kind of 60 different pieces of evidence from the year um, and then they decide then and there uh, for me the year was at, in my school I'm being honest I've said this to, to the people there was horrendous because the support wasn't there now that can happen I know people on PGCEs struggle like most courses with support that can make or break a teaching career so I had a real sink or swim year. And yet at the end of it, the university assessor came in from the Uni of Derby this time and just said, you're ready. I'm going to help you through it. You could see I was just like end of my head. But again, I was very blessed in that. So, um, yeah, 12 weeks, which is about how long it takes. Um, she passed. Yeah. So that was three years ago. I'd already been teaching for a year at that point on my own. I shouldn't have been, but I was. And then obviously the last three years as a qualified teacher and, and getting better every day, I think. Mm. So, well, congratulations on, on taking that kind of slightly odd route into it, because it, it's certainly a more long and complicated route, as you say, than many of your colleagues will have taken. Uh, the other thing that you mentioned there is, is a few different routes that you use, which kind of gave you that experience of working in, in a school setting. So you'd mentioned about the a couple of job titles that you mentioned teaching assistant you mentioned behavioral specialist uh there's also learning support roles in schools as well and and various other roles which are i suppose supporting uh students in the classroom environment um firstly are those important to you in terms of supporting you as a teacher and then secondly how important was doing that kind of work for you in terms of you getting to the point where you are now yeah, good question. I mean, for me personally, I think those roles are, I mean, having done them, I think that also can help to see the value in them. I, I know lots of teachers now who who, who do see the value in them. Um, there are challenges. But again, to answer that second point, because that's where it leads into having done managing behaviour in school, having done kind of de-escalation tactics, because that's really key when you've got a kid's kicking off, um, having done work alongside lots of different special needs and learning difficulties, because they're not always obvious physical disabilities. You know, they can be a lot of social and emotional sort of behaviour that comes. Uh, I'd say that's invaluable for me. Um, and also helping to support others as well, because I think school works, being a teacher or any job in school it's one of the foundation things is how you work as a team. Uh, I'm very fortunate that the people I work with um, get me and, and use me well and I can sort of support them. 
Uh, I'd say there's massive value. And as you said, there's a growing number of roles in school. Counselors are becoming so important these days as well. Mental health, even at primary age, they're, they're so important. Yeah, and uh, I guess uh, many schools, they'll have people who I guess are visiting members of staff like educational psychologists and social workers and so on uh, coming in. So the, the amount of roles where you can work in a school environment, as you say, is really varied these days. And of course, in some of those support roles like counsellors and uh, educational psychologists, for example, those people may often work across a range of different schools. He might be spending half a day in one place and half a day in another. Uh, so that's something that's worth bearing in mind if you're thinking, I want to work in schools, but I'm not sure if teaching is for me. There are a number of roles where you can be in a school environment and a classroom environment. Um, but also a number of roles where you can work in smaller groups or even on one-to-one -one bases with, with children. So that's something that's very much worth remembering. Now, I want to uh, also ask you a bit of a cheeky question, if I may. Now, I happen to know that uh, two of the things that you love outside of teaching are playing the drums and playing football. And how much are those kind of additional interests and skills how much are those useful to you if you're going to be a teacher working in a school? Uh, great questions. And both of those are coming to the fore just this week alone in school. So um, the music one, um, one of the things that we did a couple of years ago, we do a talent show every year for the kids. We make a morning of it. They love it. I, I get to host that. It's a lot of fun. I get to wear a suit. And again, it, it, being lively and energetic for those kids, it just makes makes it all worth it um, and one of the things we did a couple of years ago is if we found a few of the staff could actually play instruments so we put a little band together we rehearsed a song and we played it and they went wild and the staff were like oh my goodness the talent so that was amazing and what that's led to is you know an increase in the children signing up to have guitar lessons um unfortunately we've, we've only we, don't, we haven't had a drum kit although it looks like we might be getting one next year partly because i can play and i've said well i'll I'll give a few basic lessons to, to the kids. And again, being an inspiration is massive. Um, so we now play every half term. Again, it helps that my teaching partner um, in year four, Georgia, she's she's like the music lead at school. So she's like big on, let's get the staff band again. Um, and even over teams meet, you know, when we've had assemblies now, because we can't be together, they like that because, oh, the band are up and they can, in their classrooms, sing along and things. Um, football. It, to be fair, it was mainly kind of out on the playground with the kids that really struggled to socialise. You know, I'd go out and play football with them and just you try and help build those skills. Um, but I've managed the school football team the past couple of years very successfully, I will add. I've been mm -hmm. uh, asking the head teacher if that means do I get any uh, bonuses in my contract. But <laughs> to be fair, you know, there are so many young people that, that love sport and love football and just giving them opportunities to succeed and achieve and be in a team that's that's the fulfilling thing winning games is great and i love it for them but even just them playing well and going on the minibus to a school after school is like they're kind of they've got their kit on they feel special um it's been great so i hope time permitting because obviously your job increases every year as a teacher time permitting i can carry that on as well yeah and just uh, a bit of a reflection there which is uh you mentioned that the school you you work at is is in an area of, of social and economic deprivation, and so you, sounds by the sounds of it, you've got a lot of children in your school who come from very difficult situations, and I guess those non classroom activities, I suppose, 
they can be a real opportunity for a, for a, for a student to feel part of part of a collective, part of a community, can't they? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm very blessed that the school is a community school. Like one of the things that they've identified is that we need to just be for that community. And there's so there's such an eclectic feel. There's so many children from different backgrounds. You know, it would be wrong to say the kids look like this because they're all different. But that you know, it is a deprived estate, so the majority do have and will have limited opportunities. So. Um, you know, one of our jobs, whoever you are, if you work in a school or around a school, is just to kind of help these children to, it's not even dream big dreams. It's just kind of know and learn what's achievable. What can you do? What are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? Um, you know, as as you'll know, we're not all amazing at everything, but if we enjoy doing it, that shouldn't stop us from doing those things. Um, I guess as well, uh, just before we move on, that... A phrase that uh, someone who I know very well, um, who is a woman who is working in an edu- in a in a sector that hasn't traditionally been that female friendly until quite recently, and she's been working in that sector for about twenty five years. And one of the things that she said to a lot of students that she's worked with has been, "Just remember, you can't beat what you can't see. So if you go out and do that kind of thing." that women haven't done before if you're going out and you're playing drums in front of the children or you're managing the school football team then actually it means that those kids who might never have had a chance to play music or to play football at home that they can suddenly think actually this is something that I can do it's quite fun um let's move on and let's have a think about uh working as a teacher the actual nuts and bolts of what you do um is there such a thing as a typical day working as a primary school teacher the beauty of the job is that no two days are the same. If you like order, if you like knowing what your day will be routine, um, you're going to have to learn to be flexible, especially at primary school, because while you're as a teacher, you will bring those qualities to the, the lives of the children. Um, I think the beauty is there's, there's always something going on. There's always something happening. Um, I personally, I love the fact that, that every day is different. It keeps me on my toes and keeps me motivated um obviously there is a structure we do have a timetable you know the children need that because again the kids I work particularly don't have a lot of structure in their lives many of them but even in schools where you've you've got kind of wealthy or you've got children who come from families that really value education there's still a need for structure in their day to help them settle and, and achieve what they can I guess one of the things that as a careers professional I heard a lot. So when I was working in colleges, for example, I'd be speaking to students who were just completing their GCSEs and they were maybe studying a BTEC or doing A-levels and thinking about, all right, maybe I'd like to go into teaching. And they're going, yeah. So I'd say to them, OK, why is it you want to go into teaching? Well, I like kids. OK, that's a good start. OK, what else? And they talk about that idea about wanting to impart knowledge. But from what you've told me so far, Rob, and from what I know of the job, I think there's a lot more to it than that, isn't there? Yeah, uh, and, and there are definitely definitely teachers whose primary focus is to be an educator. And, and that's, that's brilliant because we need that. We need you know, people that can teach really good lessons and share their knowledge and deliver the curriculum is massive. Um, I'd say the school I work at, that's almost not the primary focus. Um, 
I see my I see my job in many different ways. An educator is just one of my many sort of labels that I wear. Um, social worker is a big one because, like you mentioned, safeguarding. Sadly, in many many schools, that's becoming a really big important part of the job. That it can be time consuming and a bit stressful. Um, you, you know, confidant for these children to be another another ear another person who they can trust in their in their life just to kind of share and and that's another way of imparting knowledge it's not all just teaching what the maths lesson is it's sometimes how do you deal with you know emotional difficulties um one of my favorite things that my class do every year and for four years they've done it without fail is i wait for the first child to to call me dad because it happens it's usually miss a lot because i'm the first male teacher they hit in year four they've had females usually one two and three um i'll get mum because that's the next step and then i get dad and then they all giggle the whole class and i'll kind of say but i kind of am your school dad and they mm. stop and we kind of explain well i mean i I see these kids in my class probably more than I do my own children in a day. Um, I, they probably see me more than they do some adults at home. And actually, what is a what is a dad? What it, well, it's someone who cares for them, looks out for them, tries to impart knowledge in different ways. And they kind of, by the end of this one minute chat, are like, oh yeah. And mm-hmm. it becomes a bit of an affectionate thing. And I thought it was my first class and that would be it, but it, it, it sticks and, I think that's probably one of my favourite parts of the role is just being someone that looks out for the for these kids. Oh, that's really wonderful, Matt. Uh, I I just want to be serious for a second. You mentioned the word safeguarding. Um, you and I know that this is a serious thing. For anyone who's listening, who's thinking, oh, I might apply for teacher training or I might think about an apprenticeship or I might think about working in schools. Define safeguarding for us, please, Rob. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Fingers crossed, everything is going completely above board in school. But these children have lives 24-7 like we all do, and they cannot control, and we cannot control the outside you know, effects of what's going on. Um, it can be anything from a, a conversation or something they've seen on a TV screen that's a bit kind of all but dodgy, maybe just chat to them, all the way fully through to you know abuse ongoing it could be happening the day they come into school they're a bit tearful i get an email and i'm like oh my goodness and you and there is a very reactionary you have to be reactionary to it at times because as much as you'd like to plan ahead and go oh well i'll have this corner ready for them or this sometimes it's on the fly of i'm finding out at 10 30 the kid's been in for two hours already really playing up well it makes so much sense what's going on um the most important thing we can be in those times is calm and consistent. And, and as, as any, any, t- any role in a school, if you're an adult with responsibility, it's really important that we, are, that we are steady for these kids. Even though there can be times when you hear or read things that can be quite shocking. I think people don't always realise the impact. And I think when you work with kids, you realise that the... the kids react differently to different things you might read something well that's that's not really much at all but it can really impact one child the next child is kind of coping fine and you read their report and you're like oh my goodness I would be a broken mess if that was happening Um, and it's just knowing how do I keep that open and it's that communication because if you've got kids in your class you're the one who while I'm lucky that I've got people employed at my school who deal with the safeguarding side I've just kind of have to keep in the loop and loop and do reports and things um every now and again i'm the one they'll ask because i know the kids so i've just got to keep that relationship going um 
it's heartbreaking. But like I said, it is one of my favourite parts is, the, is building relationships with these kids. So um, I feel very blessed that I get to do that. Um, even though some of the stuff will, will kind of, it's quite eye-opening. So I guess that brings us on to the next part, which is thinking about the non-teaching tasks. You've mentioned about writing reports. You've mentioned about training in various things, such as, you know, you had that kind of behavioural specialist role. Um, we've heard about people who are safeguarding specialists and so on and so forth. Um, if we had a pie chart of your job, how much of it would be that classroom time? How much of it would be, let's say, writing emails and, and doing paperwork? And how much we would be speaking to parents and how much we would be speaking to other people, such as, you know, colleagues or even people like social workers and so on? What does that pie look like? Interesting. I would say, on average, I'd say over half would be actual teaching in the classroom. Um, and then the sort of, 40 let's say 60 40 the 40 percent is the other stuff um i'm i'm very much present that's my style that's a good thing but it does mean that the jobs i could multitask it could be like let's say when the kids have they've got 10 minutes to do a task i could be sat at my desk doing something um and i've got colleagues that are very good at that so they get to the end of the day and they've done a lot of jobs whereas i'm like ah i've got loads of emails to to respond to the teaching stuff, obviously, in the classroom, delivering. And it's worth mentioning, you've also got the planning, which I think is fairly methodical. Once you get the hang of it, it, it takes a little while. It's a lot of subject knowledge. But when you've got it, it, it follows a pattern. Marking and assessment come after. They're also a big role. And then, yeah, it, it could be an email asking you to write a report, your appraisal form. It could be, I love taking on all those roles, but... We might have to have like a music practice with some kids or I've got football match or training or I might have to do some subject leader stuff because, you know, if you're a teacher for two years, you've lasted that long. You're going to be given a subject because <laughs> the help things tick over. So that's one of my new things this year is, OK, do I need to do that? How many books have I got to mark? Um, even just having a meeting as a staff group or with someone else about a child or uh, like you said, if an educational psychologist wants to have a Zoom meeting for half an hour. It does eat into time. Yeah. So on that kind of practical level, um, you know, obviously some of our listeners will be thinking, OK, is this going to be the job for me? Some people will be thinking about going into a career in schools when they've got family or caring commitments. Um, and other people are just interested in work life balance generally. So do teachers really knock off at 3.30 and then get six weeks off in the summer? I, I don't know many teachers. I've, I've got a few I work with who are very good at being out the door maybe four o'clock, maybe four quarter past. Um, I think it's teacher preference and it depends on the school. Leadership is such a big thing because they will set the temperature of a school. Um, typically for me, I'm getting in about sort of 7.45 in the morning, purely because our doors are opening a bit early, about sort of between half eight and 8.40. Um, I just need to be in to get everything ready for the day and get my head on. Um, when we open up a bit later again, maybe that will change. And then I'm going home between five and half five so there is a bit of time before school quite you know two hours after school you'd say when the kids have gone but like I said there's lots to do it, it there's lots you have to do in in school with books and, and meeting colleagues and things and and staff meetings I'm quite fortunate that that kind of is me at the minute um, I've managed to get a lot of my workload done in the day and while let's say I'm leaving the house at 
quarter past seven to get in for that. And I'm getting home between half five and six. That sounds like a long day. It is, but it doesn't always feel like that because I think my job is quite, time can kind of go because you're always busy. Um, and as I said, quite fortunate that I'm not then bringing home lots of work. You know, my, my wife has commented that, that that work, that balance does seem to work. Yeah. Um, even though tonight I've got 30 books to mark just because we're getting into permit to make sure they're done. I don't mind it because it's a one-off. You know, it's yeah. not every evening. Um, I know teachers that, that come in later or, or leave early and they, they take planning home. I don't know any teacher that, that clocks off at half three when the kids have gone and says, see you in the morning, I've got nothing else to do. <laughs> but I do know teachers that have done that once because they're going to a concert or yeah. the cinema. Because so In that sense, makes... much, like, much like a lot of other jobs then, whereby yeah. it sounds like it's very much down to the school you're working at. And just very, very briefly, um, just uh, how much was your work as a teacher affected by the lockdown restrictions due to the COVID pandemic? Uh, massively, massively, because I think particularly with primary, the kids need to be in a classroom with the adult doing the work. Um, as I said, the, a lot of the kids couldn't access online learning. We decided not to. So what we did was we made work packs every week. And then every Friday we went and delivered them and picked up the last packs, particularly this last lockdown, which was great because we could have face-to-face contact with kids and parents on our route, handover. It was it was actually quite nice to do that. We had bubble in school. I'd say that was probably the only normal bit was actually being in school teaching that bubble because you could kind of teach. It was a bit more normal. Working from home is not for me. I, I found it a real struggle, particularly my own kids at home, homeschooling them, balancing that, making sure that everyone in the house did what they needed to do. Uh, that was really hard. I think it's, it's even maybe, it's maybe enjoy my job even more now we're back with my class. Okay, great. So thank you. So let's just hear a little summary about working as a primary teacher. The National Career Service tells us that primary school teachers are responsible for the educational, social and emotional development of children from age 5 to 11. Key responsibilities include planning and preparing materials, teaching lessons and assessing children's work. You will need to follow safeguarding procedures and speak to parents and carers, often working with other key professionals. Meetings, training and events may take place outside of regular working hours. Most teachers will qualify via a degree in education or a postgraduate qualification, usually a PGCE. It may also be possible to become a teacher via an apprenticeship or on-the-job training. As a bare minimum, you will need to have good GCSEs, grades C slash 4 or above, in English, Maths and Science, plus A-levels to get into a teaching degree. Other skills required for teaching include the ability to plan and organise your workload the ability to work flexibly and to remain calm in stressful situations. IT literacy is vital, along with the capacity to work with others to create a suitable teaching environment. The starting salary for a newly qualified teacher starts at 25,714, although teachers in inner London can earn over 32,000 in their first year. Salaries are paid on a scale, so the longer you stay in the job, the more you will earn. Full-time teachers work 195 days per year, although it is not true that you will only ever work during turn time. Qualified teacher status, or QTS, is required to start working as a teacher in many schools. 
you will find out more about training, funding and salaries by visiting the Get Into Teaching website. Great. So today we have been finding out about working as a primary school teacher with our guest, Rob Jones. Um, now, Rob, it's time for a quick, quick fire round uh, just as we come towards the last part of the podcast. So uh, we're going to start the music. And are you, are you up for this? I am. I'm ready for it. OK. All right. Let's go. So let's start with an easy one. Tea or coffee? Tea, definitely. Can't drink coffee. I was going to say, aren't teachers supposed to have coffee breath? Okay. Uh, working from home or working from an office, you've kind of answered that question. Definitely office. I can't do home. Okie doke. Do you know how much is the UK national living wage? Uh, I guess. I think it's different depending on your age. Some of my age, early 30s, like £8-ish. Okay, so if you're 23 or over, it's £8.91. There's a sliding scale, so you earn a bit less if you're 21 or 22 and, and so on. You can get the details of that off gov.uk. Let's go back to the questions. How much is the UK average salary? And here's a clue. It's more than you think. 22000 Okay, it's way higher than that, which surprised me. According to the Office for National Statistics, if you're working full-time, uh, it's 31,461. And I'm a careers professional, and that surprised me. Okay, let's... Uh, one more careers question. CV stands for Curriculum Vitae. What does this translate to? Curriculum... So it means scheme of work in school. So I, is it scheme of work, or is it... Uh, it's going to be like, No, it won't be scheme. It'll be something to do with work or... You're on the life. right lines. So, yeah. Vitae is life, so it's life story, okay. the path of your life, yeah. Okay, PC or Mac? I was a PC, I'm on a Mac right now, so I'm going to say Mac. Yeah, okay. Favourite TV show? Ever heard of Community? Heard of it, never watched it. Very, very good. The first four seasons particularly, really easy watch, very funny. Thank you, Doug. What was your dream job when you were a kid? You kind of answered this as well. Um... <laughs> I've had a few. Professional footballer, train driver, marine biologist, then teacher. Thank you, Doug. Uh, would you rather be earning more money or working fewer hours? Mm. Right now, because I enjoy my job, more money. Okay. But at the difficult times, it would have been, yeah, work less. <laughs> and then finally, what would you be doing if you weren't currently working as a teacher? I'd do something with kids, uh, maybe a kid or youth worker. And I think the thing I'm, one thing I'm thinking about in the future is, yeah, a kid's counsellor. Excellent. All right. So that's the end of the quickfire round. But I do have uh, another question for you, which is kind of putting you on the spot. What would you say is your favourite and your least favourite part of being a teacher? Uh, favourite is the, the building of relationships with, with the kids and with my colleagues and, and a team. Um, that yeah, they're just also different, and it kind of when you get past a lot of the stuff that can put people off, it, it's it's incredibly rewarding. Least favourite is probably marking. Mm-hmm. Um, people say assessment. I don't find assessment that bothered because usually there's here's the questions, here's the answers, tick tick tick, get the score. Marking can be it's your everyday books. It's thirty books times four or five a day, and it's just you don't know where the kids coming from. I try and do it in lessons as much as I can. It, it, it's just not for me. 
All right. And then lastly, any top tips if any of our listeners are thinking, you know what, I'd like to become a primary school teacher? Um, yeah. So I'd say, harking back to something you said right at the start, you know, working with kids, working in schools, there's so many different roles you can do nowadays that are, that are incredibly valuable. Um, if you're thinking of being a teacher, I'd say you come into it knowing that, yeah, you're going to work hard, but it is, while it's challenging, it's rewarding incredibly rewarding just be flexible with with your time and your expectations of what you can do and always set yourself targets for the year if you become a teacher achievable ones don't try and do everything at once no no teacher is perfect focus on an area get better at that change to a different area Uh, there's some really good tips for any job there you know you can only take things one step at a time in most situations so um Lovely. That's really helpful. So thank you to today's special guest, Rob Jones. Um, Thank you also to Emma for helping us out with the voiceover. And most of all, thank you, listener, for joining us today. Uh, As we often request, if you've enjoyed the show, then please take a minute or two to leave us a positive review and a comment via your podcast app. This helps other people to find our content, especially if you're using Apple Podcasts. So we hope you will join us once again for another episode of What Exactly Do You Do? listening to what exactly do you do a podcast by karuna's tv and careers advice the podcast was presented by rish barua and you can find out more by visiting karuna's until next time thank you for listening